0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion, yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Back again with the Rational Boomer Podcast. Oh, we're in a busy week this week. A lot of stuff happening in Congress. Uh, some of it good, some of it bad, some of it hopeful. And some of it may be hopeless, but we don't know for sure. And before we get into that, I wanted to make a statement. Because that's what I do here. I say things. Now people will say, I agree with you or I disagree with you. And I appreciate both sides, but it doesn't matter. My goal in doing TikToks and doing the podcast is to use my First Amendment right to speak my mind and let the popularity or unpopularity go wherever it goes. I'm not trying to appease anybody here. I'm telling you what exactly I believe and why I think it's a good thing if things follow what I believe. I know that sounds kind of arrogant, but too many people we watch have all these agendas— It may not even be what they believe, it's just that it works within their own agenda. And I get tired of that. Instead of having agendas, how about we just vote for those things that are good, true, and right, and negate those things that are negative against this country. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this country, a lot of them in elected positions, in Congress, that don't only go with what they think is right, they think about their political future. They think about supporters and people that donate money to their campaigns, and that's how they make their choices. And because we're in this situation, in my mind, I feel like this country is currently broken, particularly our political process, our government it is broken because it doesn't always come down to truth and what's right. It comes down to what's more expeditious for these people that are in our elected positions, and that's troubling. I've said I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I see the problems on both sides, and people will say to me, well, why are you supporting the Democrats now? The simple reason is that the Republicans are so horrific and so damaging to this country. Donald Trump was such a negative force in taking this country the wrong way. I saw that the Democrats were the only way to rectify this situation. Unfortunately, we don't have a third party. So you have to side with the Democrats. Now, what the Democrats are trying to do is trying to help middle America, the middle class, They see that as a way to win elections, and I'm glad of it. Now, there are many things that the Democrats do that I don't like, but I'm not going to deal with them now because we have to focus on the serious problems of the day. And that's us sitting between democracy and fascism or authoritarianism. And that's really what we are. That's where we are. Now, there once was a time where Republicans— loved democracy, encouraged democracy, and did everything they could to be democratic, the way our country is supposed to be. But now it's funny. Since the election of Donald Trump as President of the United States, Republicans seem to have taken a different tact. They're not interested in law and order. They're not interested in democracy They're interested in looking toward fascism or authoritarianism. And I think you need to understand why that is. In this country, there are far more Democrats than there are Republicans. People of color, those demographics are growing very quickly to the point where white people won't be the majority anymore at some point in the not-so-distant future. This troubles these old white men. And I've said all along that the era of the old white men running this country, that time is running short because the numbers just don't add up anymore. White men are going to be, old white men are going to be pushed out at some point because there are younger people, there are women, there are people of color that make up a bigger demographic in this country. Now, the Republicans know this. They see it happening right under their nose. And they know if it continues this way, that there will be no way a Republican, a conservative Republican, or a far-right Republican to ever win another election. They get it. And I think most of us get it as well. But instead of these Republicans, these far right Republicans saying, "Okay, well, we've got to uh, remake ourselves, come up with better policies, get younger people, get people of color in our organization so that we can compete with the Democrats. They don't want to do that. I mean, when you're dealing with a party like the Republicans who have a base of white supremacists, bringing people of color in is never going to work. These people aren't bright enough to see somebody who might be a good candidate, who might be able to push along their agenda. All they see is that they are black or Native American or Asian or whatever it is. And just based on that, they don't like them. So the Republicans can't compete. And every year it gets harder and harder. So instead of trying to change, trying to recreate themselves... They want to just take it. They want to steal it, and the only way to do that is to undermine democracy and to use authoritarianism or fascism to take it. You see, they don't love the country. They don't love our form of government. All they love is the power, and they will do anything to maintain the power. The insurrection is proof in point. The lies, the allowing Donald Trump to get away through two impeachments, even though there was proof he was guilty. They don't want to give up power, so they are willing to do anything. And that's why now we are hearing that there is a a real incredible rise to domestic terrorism in this country. Now, sure, the Republicans and the white supremacists would love to tell you, no, it's those damn Muslims. No, it's those damn um, illegal aliens. But that's not the case. The case is, it is domestic terrorists. And the only domestic terrorists we know happen to be these Trumpican fucks that don't believe the election was real, don't believe the vaccine is good, think COVID is a hoax. See, they're creating chaos. They're creating problems. So at that point, they think in their mind they can find a way to take over by causing fear in people, scaring people, because that's all they've ever done. Not quite so blatantly, not so much in your face because they didn't need to back when they were participating in democracy. Well, now democracy is working against them. They can't play in that field, so instead they're going after fear and violence. And we've got a rise in domestic terrorism. We're hearing that uh, Democratic officials and elected officials are getting an unprecedented amount of death threats. Threats of all kinds. I mean, these are people who are representatives of us. People that were duly elected. But still, there's a faction of people out there that want to threaten them, scare them, try to intimidate them, try to bully them. And that is essentially the Republican Party. Now, there'll be some that say, yeah, there, well, there's a normal part of the Republican Party. Don't, don't believe that. Because the vast majority think like Donald Trump, worship Donald Trump, and embrace authoritarianism and fascism. And there's just no room for those people in this government, in this country, so there's going to have to come a point where the Democrats or independents, the good people that appreciate democracy, to fight back, push hard. This is quickly becoming a war. It's not a war of violence as yet, but if it continues, it could very well Involve much more violence than we've already seen, and we've already seen too much. I'm going to talk about the select committee uh, for the investigation of the insurrection a little later. But you can bet with all these things coming to light and all these people being questioned and information that nobody wants out there comes to light, you can bet The violence and the threats will increase, even more so than what we're seeing now. And that's frightening. We have to ferret out what happened on January 6th. We can't allow an attack on our government without finding out what happened, how it happened, how we can stop it in the future and make the people who did it accountable. We can't avoid doing that. And this is going to anger and scare the other side, the Republicans, the Trumplicans, the white supremacists, the idiots in general. And the only thing they know to do when they get scared or mad is to wreak violence throughout this country. And that's a frightening thing at this point. I hope it doesn't come to that, but it's going to take a strong Democratic Party to fight this back. I mean, they're going to have to be tougher than they have ever been. And the Democrats haven't been known for being tough. So we're going to need to see them be tougher, be stronger. And there are things coming up where they need to exercise that strength. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things. This, uh, this division is showing up quite a lot in Congress We've got a 50-50 split in the Senate. The Republicans refuse to do anything, nothing. They're there to govern, to help the citizens of this country, but they refuse to do anything. Now, the Democrats are trying to do some things, but the Republicans are doing everything they can do to block it. This is contrary to how this, this Congress or this government should be working in this country. You see, we're at a breaking point. This country and this government isn't working the way it should be. The Democrats are making a valiant effort to try to save democracy, but the Republicans, in spite of the fact they can see exactly what's going on, they refused to join in the fight. They want to see it change. We want us they want to see undermining democracy because as long as democracy is in place they can't win. So they have to take it a step farther. Unfortunately what they're doing is treasonous. These people are traitors and they should be treated as such. Now when we talk about Congress and the adversarial nature between Republicans and Democrats, we've got a number of situations in Congress currently that we have to worry about. One is the debt ceiling and the raising of the debt ceiling. I've talked about this a lot. And the reason I have is because it's crucial. It's very important. Every year, Congress decides to spend X amount of dollars. Not considering the debt ceiling at that point. They want what they want and... They vote on it, and they spend the money. But then at the end of the year, they have this moment in time where they have to raise the debt ceiling in order to jive with the money they already spent. And every time, the debt ceiling's been raised about 100 times since it's originally been enacted. This is kind of a rubber stamp deal. It's always done, because if you don't raise the debt ceiling, it's literally catastrophic for the economy in this country. Because the country will shut down without that debt ceiling raised. Now, there have been times in the past where we've had a one or two day or maybe even a week long shutdown. And it's been devastating for the people in this country and for our economy. But each time that happened, there was some kind of chip or idea that these people wanted and they were using it for debate or argument or leverage to get what they want. The funny thing in this situation is there is no such need for leverage. Nothing. They're just doing it to do it, doing it to be a jerk. Now we were expected that if this debt ceiling wasn't raised by midnight on Thursday, that the country would shut down. And people would suffer because of it. People would lose money in their 401ks. It would be, as I said, catastrophic. And for whatever reason, the Democrats and the Republicans, for the first time in a 100 times, couldn't come together and decide to raise the debt ceiling as they have every other time. Well, the good news is the potential shutdown at midnight on Thursday Um, has been averted, at least temporarily. Um, Chuck Schumer from the uh, Senate, the Senate Majority Leader, the Democrat, has announced that uh, that, uh, they've come to some funding agreement, a temporary funding agreement, so the country will stay open. So we've averted that Thursday night, Friday morning shutdown. That's good news. But they didn't raise the debt ceiling. They couldn't come together on that. All they did is delay the inevitable because now they've delayed it to December 3rd. So between now and December 3rd, we don't have to worry about the country shutting down. But come December 3rd, if they can't agree on raising this debt ceiling, we're back where we started from and on the verge of catastrophe in our country. This is a no-brainer. It has to be done. The whole idea of a debt ceiling is kind of antiquated. Every other country has thrown it out the door because it doesn't really do anything. If you've already spent the money on tax credits to the tune of $2 trillion to the rich people, or for whatever reason, if you've already spent it, the time to say, oh, we shouldn't have spent that, isn't in October After the fact, if you want to be responsible about your spending, maybe you should do it during the year prior to having to have the debt ceiling. Most countries have seen that this just creates drama and some bullshit ploys by whoever's out of power at the time to add pressure and to negotiate some favors on their side. And that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, The Democrats had to give on a few minor things, and the Republicans took it. So they said, okay, we'll just let it settle down and and come December 3rd, then we have to get the debt limit raised. So all you've really done is delay the inevitable. This problem is going to come back, and we're going to have to make the decision. And if we don't raise the debt ceiling, the problems are still the same. As I've said when I've talked about this before, the debt ceiling will be raised. It will be raised. The Republicans will have to do it. They have too much to lose if they're going to take responsibility for causing the economy to go to shit. They're not going to do that. So the question is, if you know you're going to do that, why not just fucking do it? But no, they got to play these games. They think it's negotiation tactics or whatever. So we have to sit here on pins and needles till December 3rd, waiting to see if they do it. You see, if the country shuts down, it doesn't affect the senators or the representatives in the House. But if the stock market takes, each one of us who have a 401k or any kind of investment are going to lose a shitload of money, and apparently the Republicans don't care. They're playing with our livelihoods. They're playing with our lives and our future. And it's all for little bullshit negotiation tactics. That's troubling. And this is one of the reasons I've said earlier in this podcast this country is broken. This doesn't happen with any regularity. We don't have one party make death threats against another party. We don't have two parties just unwilling to work together. When their main job in Congress is to negotiate, to compromise, come to compromises in deals to better serve this country. Instead, what we're getting is people doing a lot of nothing. And that should be troubling to us. And we should be able to recognize that, yes, this is a broken system. Maybe the Democrats are trying to do the right thing now, but if the shoe were on the other foot, you can bet the Democrats, maybe not as harsh, maybe not as ruthless as Republicans, but they'd be playing the same games. Yeah, I support the Democrats right now because the Republicans are fucking nuts. But once the Democrats maintain a certain amount of power and get certain things passed, you can bet I'll be watching them closely because they'll do some shit. And I'll be talking about that because I don't really care which party wins. I'm not concerned or supporting any party. I'm concerned about the people. I'm concerned about me, my family. I'm concerned about you middle class people or even the low income people that get stepped on every fucking day in this country because we have a government that doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah, they'll take your money, but they ain't going to invest in you. And that's what gets us to the infrastructure issue, which is also a mess and also proves that this country is broken. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back and we'll talk about some of that stuff. All right, we're getting down to nut cutting time. You're probably saying, What does that mean? I don't know what the fuck it means. I just heard it and it makes some sense and it's kind of appropriate for this particular instance. But it's nut cutting time for this infrastructure situation. We have two bills. And again, I've talked about this before, but I think a lot of people misunderstand what exactly is going on and why it's going on. We have the bipartisan infrastructure bill, $1.2 trillion. That has already passed the Senate, should pass the House easily. That would make it law, and that would be a big help. But the progressives and the Democrats, of course, think that's too small. And they're right. It is too small. It's a compromise with the Republicans. And remember, the Republicans don't want to help us. They know they have to do something to look good, so they've got this bipartisan bill. And now they can rant and yell about how great they are come the next election. But the progressive Democrats don't want to vote for that bipartisan bill, unless we get some guarantees on the larger $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. Now, if you haven't read that bill, you should, because nothing in that bill is bad that I've seen. Everything in that bill is intended to help the middle class, the lower-income folks, make life easier for the people who pay the most taxes. Nothing in it is. I've read it. Yet the Republicans certainly don't like the infrastructure bill, but there's not much they can do if it ends up passing by reconciliation. Now, for those of you that don't know what reconciliation is, I've talked about it before. I'll mention it again just in case. There's two ways something can pass in the Senate, a bill. It can go with a simple majority, which is 51 votes. And that may be what you'll get on the bipartisan bill. Hopefully, some Republicans will vote on it because they agreed to it. But now, if the progressive Democrats don't vote for it, it won't pass in the House, which is the next step for it. As soon as that bipartisan bill hits the House, and if it passes, now it's law. That money is going to be spent And a lot of good things will be done. Maybe not as much as everybody else hoped, but at least that part will be running. But the problem is, again, our country is broken. There is no real negotiation here, and I'll get to that point in a moment. Now, with the reconciliation bill, that means you can pass it with a simple majority. Now, normally... What will happen in any vote in the House, like police reform or voters' rights, Uh, the Republicans come in and put a fly in the ointment and say, we want to institute the filibuster. Now, the filibuster changes everything. It makes it so that in order for a bill to pass, you must get 60 votes which essentially blocks any bill because you've only got 50 Democrats and you would need 10 Republicans. And if the Republicans refuse to participate or to vote for anything that makes sense, well, then you just can't get it passed. It just won't happen. So now we have the infrastructure bill, the large one, $3.5 trillion. It's a reconciliation bill because it has to do with the budget, and that can pass with a simple majority of just 51 votes. You can't do the filibuster here, and they don't need the 60 votes, just the 51. But the real problem here isn't Republicans. It's a couple of Democrats. Now, we've got um, the majority of the Democrats in the Senate ready and willing and set to Pass the larger infrastructure bill, which is absolutely crucial because without that bill, the bipartisan bill won't pass because the progressive Democrats say they refuse to vote for it unless they get what they want too. Now, that might seem to be hardball, but you got to understand Republicans and and Joe Manchin and Simon Cinema, who are the flies in the eye ointment in this situation, The progressive Democrats don't trust them, and they shouldn't. This is one shot to get something done big in this country for the people of this country, and they want to maximize that effort. So it's kind of a game of chicken. You don't vote for mine. I'm not voting for yours. And a lot of people are getting on the progressive say, well, we should just pass something. And I get that. But here's the fucking thing. You don't get too many opportunities to do something like this, this much good for our country and for our people. So when you have the opportunity, you don't just get passive about it and say, yeah, OK, maybe next time. Because, you know, there isn't going to be a next time. And the stumbling blocks here are Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema. Joe is from West Virginia. He's very experienced. As a, a senator, Christian Cinema has only been in office for a couple of years. She doesn't know shit about shit. She's a former social worker. And then she was a uh, representative uh, for the state of Arizona, a local politician. But she's also a little fucking goofy. Every time you see her, she's got some weird hair color, weird hairdo, weird clothing. She's trying to create an image. She doesn't know anything, so now she's trying to exercise her power. See, I think the Democrats think they can work with Manchin one way or another. They can g- give him something to get something from him. But here's the funny thing about Christian cinema, and even Joe Manchin to a certain extent. They're talking like they don't want to vote for the $3.5 trillion deal. In fact, they said, we should probably wait on it. Go ahead, vote for our bipartisan bill, but we'll wait on the other one. Well, the progressive Democrats are smart enough to know that they're just playing a game on them. They'll get the bipartisan bill passed like they want, and they'll just conveniently forget about the other bill, and it'll go away into oblivion, to the abyss. So the progressive Democrats know this, and they're not playing that game. If you don't give us what we agree to. See, here's here's the interesting thing. When this $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill intended to be coupled with the bipartisan bill, there was a vote on this, a resolution on the amount. Now, it started out to be $6 trillion, And Mansion and Cinema negotiated down because apparently they don't want to help the people either. They negotiated it down to $3.5 trillion. They signed that. So now, when it actually comes up as a bill, now they're saying, yeah, I don't know, that seems like a lot. But here's the problem: here's where the stalemate is. So Nancy Pelosi, the other Democrats saying, "Okay, you don't want to you don't want to pay for this. You don't want to sign this bill. You don't want to pass it. So what do you want? What in it do you not like? What should we cut? Now, normally in negotiations and compromise, they'd say, well, I don't like this one or I don't like that one. But they aren't saying anything. They're not telling them what they don't like. They're just saying, yeah, I don't want to pass it. Which is ridiculous because each of them in their home states desperately need many of the things that are in this bill. And their states, their constituents, like it by a large amount, like 75%. But they're willing to step on their constituents' toes in order to do what they're doing. But they won't tell us what they want to cut. And I'll tell you why they don't tell us what they want to cut. Because there's nothing you can say, oh, yeah, I don't want to give Medicare to elderly people. I don't want the pre-K funding for families and kids. No matter what they say, no matter what they claim they want out of it or it's too much, they're going to look bad. So they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They don't want to pass the bill. But they don't want to say what they want cut out of it. So how do you negotiate with somebody like that? And the biggest problem is, is without Christian Cinema or Joe Manchin, you can't pass the three point five trillion dollar infrastructure bill by way of reconciliation. You've got these two clowns, these two senators representing small parts of the country, saying, "Yeah, we don't want the entire country to get the help and the needs." they have been waiting for for decades. So these two are in a tough situation. Now, the Democrats think they can maybe work with Joe Manchin because he's got years in the Senate and he understands how the game is played. Christian Cinema is just a wild card. She doesn't know fuck all about fuck all. All she knows is about her own ego. I mean, Jesus Christ, this woman started out in politics in the Green Party. But now she's this conservative Democrat? What caused that kind of change? The way she's acting and throwing out jokes about not giving information, disrespecting the Senate, disrespecting the people of her state. I mean, it's almost like she's taking a page from Donald Trump. I don't know shit, but I'm going to be an asshole about it. And that's essentially what she's doing, what she's done. It's a little frightening. So Nancy Pelosi was going to put up the bipartisan bill in the House tomorrow or Thursday. But Nancy Pelosi doesn't put anything up unless she knows it's going to pass. She wants to pass the bipartisan bill, too. But the president... And the progressives in the Democratic Party are insisting that $3.5 trillion is committed to as well, if you want to pass the bipartisan bill. Now, if she puts up the bipartisan bill, it looks like as many as 60 Democrats would vote against it, which would mean it wouldn't pass. Now, if they do that, that's going to cause quite a controversy and might be the strategy they choose. Piss people off. Expose Manchin and cinema for who they are. And then maybe that changes their minds. Now, a lot of this is on Joe Biden. He's got 40 years in the Senate. He understands how the game is played. So he's talking to these people. Hopefully he can work something out. But we'll see. We'll see. But in the end, if none of these bills gets passed, it's going to be laid at the feet of Manchin and Christian cinema. And it's going to cause them all kinds of problems in their next election because their states need this shit. There's kids in West Virginia and Arizona that need pre-K programs to make it easier for families, to lower health care costs. Who could possibly be against that? But apparently Christian cinema and Manchin are. And what they don't like about it, they're not willing to tell us. So it's tough to negotiate with people like this. It's going to be a tense time the next couple of days. Now, Nancy Pelosi may choose not to put it up for a vote because she knows she's going to lose. And that's going to cause some problems, both for Manchin and Cinema. I mean, the Democratic Party in Arizona... Said that if Christian Cinema voted against the bigger infrastructure bill, they'd vote, uh, 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 they'd take a vote of no confidence against her, her own party. But she doesn't seem to care, which tells you how little she knows. If you don't have the Democratic Party backing you, how are you going to win the next election? Now, granted, she's probably got four years before she's up for election, but the fact of the matter is. She's going to lose the entire party and her constituents backing her. She'll be a one-term senator, and that would probably be for the best. So we're going to see what happens in the next couple of days. I will say Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are quite savvy, and maybe they work something out, or maybe it takes longer. But this is going to be a mess. They're going to blame the Democrats for not passing the bipartisan bill. And uh, Joe Manchin and cinema are going to take heat for not getting the larger bill passed, which, in essence, causes the bipartisan not to be passed. It's going to be a tense couple of days. We need to watch it closely. And stay in touch with me, because you know I'm going to be watching it closely. And I'll tell you what's happening as the things happen. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about was... uh, Tied to the domestic violence that I was talking about before, we're seeing a lot of threats and violence and such from the Republican Party in this situation. And as I've said before, it's because they can't compete on a a democratic level. They're having to side with fascism and authoritarianism. And they become just a bunch of thugs, to be perfectly honest with you. Now, if you're a Republican and that's who you want representing you and developing this country further, well, good for you, but fuck you. That's not what this country is about. We know that um, we know that the House Select Committee sent out subpoenas to S- Steve Bannon, former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Dan Scavino, and a gentleman, I can't remember his name now, I should have wrote it down, but I've said it before, he was in the Defense Department. And the reason this guy in the Defense Department is being subpoenaed is because, remember, when this was all going on on January 6th, they were trying to get the National Guard to come out. Now, prior to this, the National Guard was instructed to limit what what uh, equipment they can use, and how they could react. Why the National Guard was limited, I don't know, but I do know. Because Donald Trump and his administration wanted to hogtie these people so they couldn't go after the insurrectionists that were supporting them. Well, today they released 11 more subpoenas. And these are unknown names, or not as commonly known names, but these are people who were organizers of events and rallies that happened on July fifth, or I'm sorry, January fifth and January sixth, leading up and through the insurrection. Now these don't have the big sexy names, but these are going to be interesting people to be heard from. Because if these people testify and they're telling the truth and they're going to have to, they're going to have to expose some people, maybe in Congress or in the Trump family or Trump himself. And then that will lead to other subpoenas that may get us Trump family members or Donald Trump himself. As I've said before, I can't imagine him not being subpoenaed. Now, all these people are going to try to fight it through executive privilege, but they really can't do that because Donald Trump has no more executive privilege because he's not the president. They're going to fight it in court, and uh, it might cause some delay, but again, the Democrats have seen this before, so they know what they have to do, and as I've told you before, if these people refuse to uh, show up, or they keep talking about uh, you know, the Fifth Amendment and that kind of stuff, they aren't going to be able to get away with it because these people can be charged with criminal contempt. That is the DOJ, and that is a potential jail term. So they have the option to either come and tell the truth or stay away or lie, and they're going to be in deep shit either way. They're safer going through Congress and testifying because Congress isn't going to put them in jail. They're going to make the DOJ do it if they refuse to show up. Now, the one problem that the people that are testifying have is if some things come to light that are in fact illegal, the DOJ will step in again. These people are being put in a corner, and these people don't have a lot of choices at this point. They tried it when Donald Trump was president. It essentially worked, but now the Democrats have seen what the probably will try to do. And they've made allowances. They've protected themselves from these people doing that. This is going to be an interesting investigation. And a lot is going to be exposed. People in Congress, uh, the Trumps, and anybody else who was involved. We know Steve Bannon was probably involved. We know Mark Meadows was talking to President Trump all along. You see, the thing is, you have to understand, this January 6th insurrection was not just a bunch of people that happened to show up and then just happened to break into the Capitol. This was highly planned. There were strategies to it. And there are signs that people in Congress and people in the White House all were part of putting this together and making sure it works. Now, the Republicans will say, we don't want to talk about it anymore. It's old news. We don't need to talk about it. But we do need to look into it. We do need to hold people accountable. You can't make the precedent of being able to attack and try to overturn this government with no retribution. Yeah, we've got people who were there that are going to jail and being indicted and prosecuted. But because we know this was a more concerted effort, more planning and strategies, the people who did that, who maybe weren't beating cops with flags, but were sitting cowering in the Senate or in the House, if these people were involved, those are the people that deserve the biggest punishment. Because without them, this could have never happened. So they're just as responsible, just as culpable as the idiot with the Trump flag pounding on a cop with that flag. And as I said before, because of all of this coming to fruition and potentially being exposed, that's where we're getting the increased threats to people in Congress. They don't want this exposed because they know the end is near if that happens. So they're going to try to bully, try to threaten, try violence, try all kinds of things. And just this investigation here is going to potentially create a lot of that domestic terrorism, and that's troubling. We have to do what we have to do. We have to expose what we have to expose, and we have to make people accountable because we can't allow people trying to attack our country and our government and let them get away with it. It just does not make any sense. They understand what's trying to be done. And they are going to fight like hell to try to stop people from doing it. They've done it all along during the campaign. You remember the bus, the Biden bus going down from Dallas to San Antonio, and all those trump fucks getting around in cars trying to run them off the road. This is how they do business. But this is not the way of this country. So we have to fight just as hard to stop these dipshits, to shut down their violence and their rhetoric, And get it done with. If we don't, this will continue forever. And it'll likely get worse. And it'll get to the point where maybe it's successful. And this country is no longer a democracy. This is actually a war. This is a fight. This country is broken. And we need to do everything we can to fix it. Not only by our activism, but by the ballot box. We need Democrats to vote in unprecedented levels, whether it's a, an off-term election or a presidential election. People tend to sit home on the uh, off-year elections. We can't afford to have that happen. So we have to create the stir, create the interest and excitement and the motivation for everybody to get out. The one way we can shut this down is by shutting out the Republicans in all the races we possibly can. So, we're going into Thursday, two days left in the week, and there's a lot of shit going down. It's a tense time in Washington, D.C. Biden's administration is kind of hanging in the balance here. They need to get some things done. If they don't, they're going to take heat from people come 2022. So... This is a pivotal time in this country. We need those infrastructure bills passed. That will set a precedence, and it will help us in the process of trying to change the mindset in the U.S. government and get people focused where it should be focused on the people of this country, as opposed to PACs and benefactors of all of these elected officials. This is a pivotal time. So if you're ever going to watch closely at what's happening in the news, now is the time. And stay in touch with me. I'll try to keep as well-versed about all that's going on and try to relay it to you in a more reasonable fashion as opposed to some of these uh, drama-filled news organizations, both Republican and Democrats. They tell you the sexy stuff. They tell you the the scary stuff. But what you really need to know is all the stuff. And I'll do my best to provide that to you here on the Rational Boomer podcast. All right. I got to run. But we'll talk again real soon, as you know. So have a good rest of the week. Keep your eyes out, your ears open. And let's see what we see. We'll see you again. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast.